let's, let's dive in, shall we? So starting a new series today called 21st Century Wisdom. And um, the, the premise to start with goes something like this. We live in an age of unprecedented access to information. You know, in the Google world, knowledge is multiplying exponentially. You know, pretty much anything you need to know, you can access via a mobile phone that weighs less than 200 grams. Gone are the days, there's a photo here, just to remind you, gone are the days when you had to look in your Encyclopedia Britannica that you'd brought from the persistent salesperson and the information in those books, wonderful though it was, was already out of date by the time it had been published, let alone landed on your shelves and been opened by your kids. Now, we have it all available at the touch of a button. In fact, artificial intelligence will even sift and sort and present it for you out of its vast library of inputted data. So, in a world in which access to knowledge has gone nuts, in a world in which everyone has an opinion and a platform from which to share it, what does it mean to be wise? How do we make sense of and sift through all that knowledge? How do we know whether it's true? How do we know who is right? How do we know who is pushing it and why? You know, there's a considerable dis difference, isn't there, between knowledge on one hand and wisdom on the other. Did you know you can have all the knowledge in the world and be utterly unwise? even foolish. And I'm, I'm convinced that, that, that knowing what to do with all that knowledge is getting harder and harder. You know, Google will tell you pretty much anything. There are so many convincing conspiracies and half-truths and fakes and lies backed up compellingly online somewhere. In fact, I reckon one of the problems we're all facing is information overload. Getting information is not our problem. The problem is where does that information take and lead us? What's the agenda? Who is driving it? And to what end? Paul said, Ephesians 5 verse 15, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Jesus said, Matthew 10, 16, behold, disciples, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. So that premise really is the, is the kind of the thought, the spark, the inspiration behind the series, the reality is we need now more than ever the wisdom of heaven. The issues are getting harder, and more complex 
and more contentious. So how do we then, as Christians living in the 21st century, how do we find wisdom? How do we live wisely in the presence of so much noise? We're going to spend a few weeks digging into some of that. So our core passage is going to be from James chapter 3. And I'm just going to read that through to begin with and we'll take a a bit of a look at that. We'll probably dive in in more detail later on. James 3.13 says, If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honourable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. But, verse 17, the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. You know, as I read that passage, James' James' message seems to be this, that there is more than one thing that is trying to convince you that it's wise. On one hand, we have verse 15, the God kind, described in verse 17 as a a wisdom from above. And then James lists some of the characteristics of, of such wisdom. But on the other hand, there are also earthly and unspiritual and demonic kinds. Kinds that are rooted in selfish ambition and jealousy, producing disorder and evil of every kind. And they are proud and boastful and dishonest. And as I am sure you are only too aware, we are being pounded and marketed and seduced and bullied in all sorts of directions by all kinds of voices claiming to be wise. And if there are different kinds of wisdom, it is vitally important that we learn how to distinguish the godly from the other kinds. Now, we're going to look at wisdom from several different angles over the next few weeks, but here's our for today. Wisdom is the ability to see the world through God's eyes. Say that again. Wisdom is the ability to see the world through God's eyes. Job 12 verse 13 says, But true wisdom and power are found in God. Counsel and understanding are His. Job 22, 23. God, 28, 23. God alone understands the way to wisdom. He knows where it can be found. 
Psalm 111 verse 10. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true wisdom. All who obey his commandments will grow in wisdom. And lastly, Colossians 2 verse 3. In him, Christ, in Christ, lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. God alone is the source of true wisdom. And he's given, a, given us a Bible full of wisdom. Jesus Christ personifies the very wisdom of God. And the Holy Spirit has been given to help us do that sorting and sifting and discerning. So our pursuit becomes learning to see what God sees. Because wisdom sees what God sees. The pursuit of wisdom is asking the Holy Spirit to reveal the word, to show you what God thinks, what God says, what God does, what God observes, what God discerns, what God purposes. Good news is that with that God's eye view, we will make better decisions. And we'll have a healthier soul. We'll have stronger relationships. And the application of that wisdom, James 3 verse 18, will lead us into the fruit of righteousness. But here's the problem. The problem is this. The stark reality is that we have a world that sees almost entirely through secular eyes. Worse than that, there are agendas in play that are working hard to pull you completely and aggressively away from that God's eye view. And often those agendas are promising you one thing, but in reality, they are delivering something very different. There are agendas out there that are really smoke screens, disguising objectives that are darker and more sinister, even demonic and destructive. Agendas that are promising freedom, but delivering bondage. Promising light, but delivering darkness. Promising hope, but delivering despair. Promising love, but delivering pain. And we need the wisdom of God to see through all of that. We're going to take a quick look at, at five passages, five verses that speak into that really quickly. First one, 2 Corinthians 4 verse 4. You'll probably recognize each one of these. 2 Corinthians 4 4 says, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. The God of this age, you know who that is? He's made it very clear who that was. The God of this age has blinded, is blinding, seeks to blind unsuspecting people to the true light. And the enemy is a liar, he's a destroyer, he is unholy and immoral, he is anti-God in every way. 
and his lies are being adopted and trumpeted as wisdom across the globe. You know, there is an agenda behind every agenda. And we need the wisdom of God to see behind the veil. I promise you five scriptures, that's one. Here's, here's two more. Ephesians 6, 11. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes, agendas. For our struggle, here we go, is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And then 2 Corinthians 10 verse 3, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. And we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Folks, we are engaged in a struggle, in a battle, in a wrestle. And it's not against flesh and blood. It's against rulers and authorities and spiritual forces of evil. But the good news as we read those two passages that we have been given the spiritual weapons and the divine power we need to demolish those strongholds. The arguments and the pretensions literally setting themselves up to oppose God. Number four, 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen. We're talking here in this, in this stretch about false apostles. And verse 14 goes like this. And no wonder for Satan himself masquerades, here we go, as an angel of light. It's not surprising then if his servants also masquerade as servants of righteousness. Their end will be what their actions deserve. Now, if you remove the bright, shiny mask, what lies beneath is altogether sinister. The devil is what we would call a wolf in sheep's clothing. And trust me, there is a whole lot of masquerading going on. But do not be fooled. Although he portrays an image, he is not an angel of light. And then my last one in this stretch, Isaiah chapter 5, probably slightly less familiar, but you've probably heard this one. Verse 20. Here we go. What sorrow for those who say evil is good and good is evil, that dark is light and light is dark, that bitter is sweet and sweet is bitter. Folks, how much of that is going on? How much of what was once considered good, even a decade ago, is now being called evil and vice versa? You know, much of what was once considered wise and normal and wholesome, even non-negotiable, is now widely and loudly considered evil and hateful and intolerant, and even in some cases, criminal. 
perhaps in your connect groups this week, you might consider evil things that are now being widely called good uh, and vice versa. Verse 21 of Isaiah 5. What sorrow for those who are wise in their own eyes and think themselves so clever. The world is now full of online experts. And of course, much of that is very helpful. You know, YouTube DIY tutorials are just about keeping me sane and my house upright. The trouble is, you now don't have to be an expert to trumpet your opinion. Suffice it to say this, there are many who think they have got it all figured out who are one day in for a nasty shock. Be careful, Isaiah warns, all those who consider themselves wise in their own eyes. A bit more of Isaiah 5, verse 22. What sorrow for those who are heroes at drinking wine and boast about all the alcohol they can hold. Read that to my two kids as they go off to first year of university next week. Verse 23, they take bribes, let the wicked go free, and they punish the innocent. I don't think that's going to apply. But verse 24 is sobering. Therefore, just as fire licks up stubble and dry grass shrivels in the flame, so their roots will rot and their flowers wither. For they have rejected the law of the Lord of heaven's armies, and they have despised the word of the Holy One of Israel. Bottom line, woe to those that have rejected the law of the Lord and who actively, outwardly, publicly despise God's word. Who have essentially set themselves up against God, denying and opposing and contradicting his word and his divine order and his holiness. Not only are they doing that, they are telling you that their way is wisdom. Do you know what? It will not end well for them. Okay, with that kind of sobering introduction said, if wisdom is the act of seeing through God's eyes, how do we make sure we are? And how do we know when we're not? What stakes maybe do we need to drive firmly and deeply into the ground right now? But what can we practically do to move closer to godly wisdom? Well, I'm glad you asked. I'm going to give you this morning, quite briefly, three steps towards wisdom. Step number one, and there's going to be no surprises here. You're not going to go, wow, that Jamie is so insightful. Number one, you must be strong in the word. That point could be in every week. Number two is you have to accept once and for all that this world is not wise. It's not. And then number three, we must let the wise one lead you. Okay, let's go into those briefly. Number one, you must be, we must be strong in the word. Amen. Proverbs 1.23, come and listen to my counsel. I'll share my heart with you and make you wise. 
Matthew 7, 24, familiar. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. The heartbeat and the holiness and the morality of God, the, the principles of heaven, the, the mysteries of grace are all made clear in the word of God. Nowhere else. I don't want to burst anyone's bubble, but you won't find it in the Sun newspaper. Probably not even in the Daily Telegraph. Certainly not in Hello magazine. Not even on Oprah. But you will find it in the Word of God and in the Word made flesh, whose name is Jesus. Here we go. His word is the definitive revelation of truth. His word is the rock upon we must, on which we must build. His word is the fortress in which we are kept safe. And his word is the light that will steer us away from darkness. There is no wisdom beside it. Anything that opposes it, quite simply, is folly. Ignore God's word at your peril. Let God's word be your wisdom. God's word must be the first and the last place we look. It must be our reference. It must be our anchor. It must be our filter. We must read it and study it and devour it and meditate it and cling to it. We need to read the Gospels repeatedly to remind ourselves what Jesus said and what Jesus did, how he conducted himself, what he was for and against, his purposes, his priorities. Again, Proverbs 123, come and listen to my counsel, says the Lord. I will share my heart with you and make you wise. Matthew 7, 24, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. There's the definition. Like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Number one, we must be strong in the word. No surprises there. Number two, we must accept once and for all that the world is not wise. Why? Because we know who is the God of this world. I reckon we've more or less covered this, but but let's just say it like this. Wisdom is not, wisdom is not the majority view. Wisdom is not the loudest voice. Wisdom is not the most dramatic, most intimidating bully. Wisdom is not to be found in secularism or humanism. It's not to be found in relativism or individualism. It's not to be found in atheism or Darwinism. It's not to be found in the expressions of the Dalai Lama or the speeches of Donald Trump. I hate to burst anyone's bubble, but the world is not wise. In fact, so much of what is out there purporting to be wisdom is actually ungodly, even demonic. And that wisdom seeks to draw a line 
between you and God. It seeks to drive a wedge between you and God. It seeks to pull you actually in the opposite direction, into pain, into anger, into offence, certainly into unbelief and into fear. It seeks to lead you into danger, into insecurity, into isolation, and into brokenness. I don't know where you go in pursuit of wisdom. But the message today is a warning that that may be you're looking in the wrong place. This may be a controversial statement, but, but most of what you find in X feeds, X, what was formerly known as Twitter, or, or what you find on Facebook pages, or, or discussed on TV chat shows, may purport to be wise, but do not be fooled. If the driving force is not God, the outcome is very unlikely to be wisdom. What's the saying? If it is quacking frantically like a duck, it's probably a duck. Even if it is masquerading as an angel of light, even if the secular media is pounding you with it, even if the politicians are voting for it. Folks, we need to get this. It's time to drive that stake into the ground. I'm not going to be seduced or suckered. I'm not going to be intimidated or bullied. I'm not just going to buy into the majority view. I'm not going to let the, the God of Hollywood define my morals. We need to accept once and for all that this world is not wise. We have an up and a down, finish with an up. Number three, let the wise one, capital W, capital O, let the wise one lead you. Paul described, didn't he, the Holy Spirit as the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Ephesians 1 verse 17, I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you the spiritual wisdom and insight so that you may grow in your knowledge of God. James 1 verse 5, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives generously to all, without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Sorry, sometimes I've learned these verses in other versions, translations, they get kind of mixed, so I read them out. And then 1 Corinthians 2 verse 10, but it was to us that God revealed these things by his spirit. For his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. Now we'll unfold some of this as we go through the series. So for today, let's just say this. The Holy Spirit knows what the Father knows. The Holy Spirit sees what the Father sees. The Holy Spirit prioritizes what the Father purposes. And his job, actually, his ministry is, is to take the wisdom of heaven and to make it known to you and me so we can live and love and serve wisely for his glory. So as always, there's another point that gets in every message I preach. 
It's so important to cultivate that relationship with the Holy Spirit. Why? So that your discernment is accurate. So that your judgments are sound. So that your decisions are inspired. Your conduct is gracious. So that your words are sweet and your relationships peaceful and your thoughts full of faith and your identity secure so that offense is overlooked and your burdens are offloaded and your life fruitful. So our call is to be full of the Spirit. Our call is to walk with the Spirit, to dialogue with the Holy Spirit. And as we do, He will reveal to us the wisdom of heaven. I mean, I'm going to ask the worship team if they wouldn't mind coming back up. But I unfortunately stopped my stop clock, so it says 20 minutes. So I've still got a couple of hours to go. We're good. Well, respond this morning. How, how do we respond? Well, I reckon I've, um, I've asked three questions, really. So let's just ask those three questions. I encourage you to take them to the Lord. This morning, I don't think it's necessarily a come to the front morning. It might be a come to the front evening. But I don't think it's that. So, so three questions for you to take before the Lord this morning. Number one, are you strong in the word? And then what could you do this week to feed yourself with truth and wisdom? Fundamental question every week. Are you strong in the word? What can you do to become stronger? Because that is the source of the wisdom you need. Question number one. Question number two, honesty time. Are you drawing much of your wisdom from worldly sources? Maybe ask yourself this question. What sources actually need to be cut off? And then number three, are you cultivating that relationship with the Holy Spirit so that relationship is sharp and that relationship is wide open? Remember Luke 11 that talks about asking and seeking and knocking. He says, how much more will the, Holy, will the Lord give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Are you cultivating that relationship? Suggestion this morning, as you pick one of those three, because three is too, too many, pick one of them, and then just invite the Lord to challenge you. Invite the Lord to maybe correct or redirect you, and certainly to inspire you into more. I'm going to pray, and then we say, why don't we stand, stretch those legs, oh, it's warm in here, Whew. Let's pray, shall we? Father God, right now, at this moment of time, we want to acknowledge that you are the God of wisdom, that you are the only source of true wisdom. And Lord, we want to bow the knee right now in this place and say that you are the source to which we want to and will turn from this moment forward. Lord, we recognize that we are being tugged. We are being pulled. That we are in a wrestling match. And the forces that we are wrestling with us are against us 
and not for us. So Lord, we recognize we need to cut those off. We need to make a decision to walk away from worldly ways, those worldly ways that are opposed to the things of God, and we need to make a path straight towards you. And Lord, as we work our way through this course, Holy Spirit, we recognize that you are the ultimately wise one. You are that spirit of wisdom and revelation, and we need you. We need you to help us to sort and sift through all this information, all this knowledge with which we are being bombarded. And so through all of that, we can identify the wood from the trees. What is the wisdom of heaven? What is the foolishness that we need to be rejecting and opposing? So Lord, as we respond this morning, would you soften our hearts? Would you open our eyes to see what you see? Because true wisdom is the ability to see what God sees. Lord, we long to be able to see what you see. We'd spare ourselves so many messes, so many pickles, so much heartache. Only we could see what you see. Only we could be wise. So, Lord, as we should respond this morning, Lord, come and do in our hearts what you need to do. Come and show us what we need to see. Come and change and correct what, what we need to correct so we can walk out of this place following you, the Lord who reigns, in Jesus' name.